Dear Lord, we come to you as the king of the universe, and we come to you with our needs, with our longings, with our hopes or dreams. We come to you with our worries, our anxieties. We place them at your feet. We ask, Lord, we ask that this time spent with you will be a blessing and that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts will be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Yeah, Dwayne Froning was a real hero. And as it turns out, <clears throat> heroes and searching out hero stories is kind of a hobby of mine. Um, I've spent hours going through the Imperial War Museum, reading the Victoria Cross uh, the awards that have been given out to heroes. Now, this is not the Victoria's Cross from Victoria sitting in the pew here. This is Queen Victoria, although I call her Queen Victoria. But anyway, that's a side story. I like heroes. I like reading hero stories. It's kind of a hobby. So this morning, let's talk about heroes. And let's find out what makes a hero a real hero. Let's find out how we can be heroes if you want to be a hero. And let's find out where courage comes from and the qualities, the character of a real hero. And so we'll ask ourselves, who's the greatest hero ever? Ever. Who's your hero? That's an easy answer. I guess we're done. Okay. (laughs) What is it about Jesus that makes him a hero? It's like, duh. (laughs) Okay. Let's start out with a human hero story because they don't have Jesus in the Imperial War Museum, just, just saying. They should. It'd be, it wouldn't be the place. Did you know that the Imperial War Museum in London used to be an insane asylum before they changed it to a real insane asylum? The greatest hero ever, ever. Well, here's my candidate. Okay, how many have heard of Richard Not Antrim? I think maybe you thought, like Victoria said, what about Desmond Doss? We'll get to him. Richard Knott Antrim, commander of the USS Pope. Um, Pope was a general, by the way, in the Civil War. Don't get nervous. Um, This commander was in the worst of the worst in the Pacific. He was a commander of this old scrapyard material battleship but that's all they had and he was doing everything he could and you can see the last picture of his ship as it's going down he had about 209 men on board you know he was able to get all of those men into boats keep them together until they were rescued Uh, he just had good leadership skills but they all ended up in a POW camp. And um, POW camps were, it was not a vacation. It wasn't a resort destination. It wasn't a place you'd want to be. POW camps were really, really rough. Uh, These are POWs. Uh, I'm not sure the name of the diet, but I don't think it's a Nedley-approved uh, diet. 
But I, I, I use this picture of POWs because these guys are happy because they're free. The war is over. That's what I wanted. But in this particular POW camp, um, if you made the slightest infraction, if you did the, the tiniest little offense, the punishment was extremely severe. One day, one of uh, Antrim's men, and there were 2,700 American soldiers in this camp. There was, but one day, one of the men failed to bow low enough. He bowed, but not low enough. Not showing respect. And the punishment was a beating. Now, you can imagine things under those circumstances, things are pretty tough. The tension's pretty high. And Antrim standing there with the rest of the men in the camp watching this. And finally, Antrim just steps forward. Stop. Well, wait a second. You don't say that to the guards. Well, what do you mean, stop? He says, I want to speak to your commanding officer. Commanding officer comes out. Antrim tries to use sign language and says, you know, he meant no disrespect. This is not an issue of respect. This is, you know, we're trying to do the best we can here. Please show some mercy. Commanding officer says, rules are rules. Additional beating. They start in again. Bang. 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 How many strikes is it going to take before Antrim does one of two things? Says, come on, boys, let's get them. They could take to 2,700 men, they could take them out. Come on, boys, let's get them. Of course, those 2,700 men would be met with a larger force, and that would be the end of them, too. Doesn't seem like a good plan. So what does Antrim do as it continues on? I mean, these men want something to be done. This is a crisis, a breaking point. And he steps forward a second time and says, stop. He says, if this man needs a beating, I'll take the rest. I'll take the rest. Guards are stunned. Wait a second. We were told that these people were cowards. That's why they're in a prison camp. They should have died for their country. You see, I don't want to sound anti Japanese at all because there was a philosophy that they were taught and it was a good philosophy the code of Bushido there's the virtues of justice and courage and honor honesty, politeness, mercy loyalty, self-control this was a good law that they were to adhere to but there was one twist was twisted in one way. You know what that was? Isen Goren. My Japanese is terrible. I think that's the way you say it. Isen Goren. It means you're the value of one postcard less than a penny. We send a postcard, says you're in the draft, you're in the army now. That's your value. The whole entire philosophy was ruined by one concept being introduced, and that is you're worthless. That's why they were so cruel to those men. That's why that happened that day. Well, Antrim st stepped forward a second time. Says, if you're going to beat this man... Do it to me, not him. He won the respect 
of the Japanese army. They're like, these guys aren't so bad anyway. You know, it was men like, it was men like Antrim, women like Antrim, who ended that war. It was people like that that would rebuild those two nations involved in that, become close allies. Antrim would be practicing that principle. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. That principle could bring peace in that camp and in those two nations. So Antrim is actually the only POW who ever got the Medal of Honor in a POW camp. That's pretty astonishing. Did you know there were 20 medals of honor awarded to the men who shot those unarmed women and children at Wounded Knee? 20 of them, but one for a POW who stands up for his men. I love this story because Antrim wins. He wins. He doesn't do it with violence. He won without a gun. Uh, I don't know if you notice this story has some parallels to another hero story. What are you thinking? Yes. Let's look at that. Luke 23, okay? Luke chapter 23. Oh, I got to say one more thing. I'm a slave to the slides. Intrepidity. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity for at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty. Love that about heroes. That they go above and beyond the call. But what is intrepidity? You know, I'm not a teacher, Grace. I don't, what, what is intrepidity? So I had to look it up. A quality of spirit that enables you to face danger or pain without showing fear. No fear. Courage, that's real courage. So let's look at Luke 23, somebody who faced pain and danger without fear. The chapter starts out with... Jesus in front of a mob and Pilate. And Pilate's just doing, are, are you king of the Jews? And Jesus says, you, you said so. And Pilate figures out, well, we'll send him to Herod. Because not, not my jurisdiction, let's kick the can down the road. Herod says, oh, this is great. Do me a trick. Jesus doesn't say a word to him get sent back to Pilate. And we'll pick up that story now in 23, verse 13. If you have a pew Bible, read along with me. I'm Luke 23, 13. Then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers and the people, said to them, you have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning these things of which you accuse him. And in fact, neither did Herod. For I sent you back to him, and indeed, nothing deserving of of death has been done by him. Therefore, I'll whip him, chastise him, and then release him. Doesn't sound too fair to me, does it? At what point is Jesus going to speak up and say, come on, boys, let's get him? Well, heroes don't act like that. At least a true hero. Verse 17, for it was necessary for him to release, let's see, 
for it was necessary for him to release one, uh, one to them at the feast. And they all cried out at once, saying, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. Now that sounds like a bad guy. Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus, again called to them. But they shouted, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Where did all that cruelty come from? How did it end up there? Verse 22, Then he said to them the third time, Why? What evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. But they were insistent, demanding with a loud voice that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and of the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he was released to them, the one who they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison. But he delivered Jesus to their will. This is, this is good news for Barabbas. Barabbas thinks that he's about to go. It's his last day. He gets a reprieve. Barabbas, I, I'd like to put myself in that moment. I can just see Barabbas scampering down the street, the dark alley, like, whew, that was a close one. Um... What do you think of this exchange? <clears throat> All Jesus has to say is just speak up. All he has to do is speak up. But if, you know, and he's been against mobs. Jesus has been in front of mobs before. He knows how to deal with his situation. You just slip away. You just, I don't know how he does it, but he just slips away. It's happened before. Why doesn't he just slip away? What happens if he slips away this time? Well, Barabbas dies. Right? Am I right? Yeah. <clears throat> um, but I have to say something. Um, this story of this exchange... It's a, it's a central part of our Christian belief system. It is the key. It's the, it's the hub upon which everything else is built. And there's two ways, there's two key characters in this story. There's Barabbas, the rebel, and there's Jesus, the innocent one. What happens... What happens when the story is told from the Barabbas perspective? You are that rebel. You are that sinner. What happens? I heard a preacher this week. I'm going to call him out. Jeff Durbin, megachurch in... Phoenix, Arizona area, explaining his theology as an abolitionist. And in explaining the reason why he was an abolitionist, and if you don't know who he is, you can look him up, explaining his philosophy is, you, we all deserve to die. We're all sinners. Well, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That's what Pastor Durbin said. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Let me ask you a question. Is that the way your dad would talk to you? When we tell the story from Barabbas' perspective, is that the way Jesus would talk to you? You deserve to die. 
Try that on a cancer ward. Try being a physician and being on a cancer ward. Try those words. Oh, you got cancer. You deserve to die. Doesn't work. That can't be the gospel. I can't tell this story from Barabbas' perspective. There's a hero in this story. There's a hero here. Keep an eye on the hero. Keep an eye on the hero. Because the hero's going to set you free. When you tell it from the hero's perspective, everything's different. Everything's different. So, we have two people. Two heroes. No, I'm sorry, we have just one hero. We've got Barabbas. We have Jesus. Look at him, look at you. You know what he's doing? You know what he's doing? He's looking at you and wondering what you're going to make of this situation, how it's going to affect you. Peter saw that look, broke his heart, changed his life. Jesus is wondering what you're going to do with this situation, how you're going to respond. Because he wants you to be different. He doesn't want you to go down that Barabbas road. He wants something better for you. That's a hero quality. You know, last week we heard Anil Kanda, a great presentation. And one thing that he emphasized was that Jesus would have done what he did for just one person. And he had some quotes for that. But I asked myself, where's that in the Bible? Where do you get that? It's actually in this story. How many people were saved in Luke 23 because of what happened? One person, Barabbas. Now, of course, how we respond to that, when we look in those eyes and we see what's happening, how we respond to it can change us too. I mean, we say... Jesus died for everybody, but in the story, he he paid the ultimate price for just one person. That's what I get out of, one of the things I get out of the story. So I want to ask myself, what it is, what is it about this extraordinary hero? What is it about him When I spend time thinking about heroes, what is it that makes a person like that? What are the character traits of this hero? What makes a hero a hero? Well, let's start with generosity. Heroes are givers. What do heroes give? I'm going to leave an uncomfortable moment of silence so you can think about that. What do heroes give? I'll tell you, it's right here. Heroes give love. Heroes give everything. Heroes are givers. Why did Jesus spend that day sitting in front of the temple watching the people put money into the coffers? So that his disciples could see the little lady come in and drop in two tiny coins because he wanted them to see what a real hero looked like. She was a giver. See that, Peter? That's what a hero looks like. I like this perspective of heroes because it's not 
the big guy who, you know, is, oh, it's the mom who gets up in the middle of the night for her kids because they need help. That's a hero. (laughs) I mean, I told Victoria the secret to having a baby was at night and, you know, making it through the night was two pillows, one for this ear and one for that ear. Not very heroish, but um, Victoria has always been a hero to her kids. I mean, the most humblest profession, the lineman that gets up in the middle of the night in the storm because the power is down and, and the hospital needs power. Uh, fill in the blank. The person doing the most simple, humble job is a true hero when they give it their all. Give it your all. Be a hero. It's easy to love heroes. Well, what else? Oh, I got to mention Arthur Ashe. Anybody know who Arthur Ashe is? Okay. Just in case you didn't know, first black man to win Wimbledon, the U.S. Open Tennis Stadium is named after him because of this kind of life that he lived. True heroism is remarkably sober, very untraumatic. It's not the urge to surpass all others at whatever cost. This is a professional athlete where surpassing others is the reward. (laughs) But the urge to serve others at whatever the cost. Wow. Wow. I'm glad they named that stadium after him. Um, But here's the second thing that, as I thought about heroes, that really struck me, and that heroes are humble. Um, You know, know, you've you've talked to true heroes, right? Um, I'm not a hero. I'm just doing my job. I'm just doing what seemed right. I was just, just doing what seemed the right thing to do. No, I'm not a hero. Just doing my job. Heroes are humble. These are not chest thumpers. Um, These are humble people. In fact, as I thought about this, I thought, Steve, you're not a writer, but you ought to write a book. Let's write a book about the heroic things that Jesus did in his life. And you'll call it the humble hero. And much to my surprise, somebody already did it. (laughs) Jesus' uh, story as a humble hero. It's a compilation of the conflict of ages. Desire of ages, but it says conflict of the ages there at the bottom. It must be more. I haven't read it. I think it's just, it's a whole series. Is it just for kids? Why is it that just the kids get the heroes? Can us adults have a hero too? A humble hero? Yeah. The humble hero. Can you be a hero without being humble? We'll work on that one later, over lunch. Self-control. Here's another thing that I thought of. And this is, not, this is not like being controlled. This is just like a restraint. I'm thinking of Antrim. You know, why didn't he blow up? This had gone too far in that POW camp. I'm thinking of Jesus. How does he not say something to Herod whose soldiers are standing there mocking him? Why doesn't he... A restraint from striking back. Where did Antrim come up with this idea of, hey, I could just use an idea. I could just use my words. Restraint from the use of violence in both our hero stories, that really appeals to me. It appeals to me because I need it myself. Um, Anything else? Oh, what about compassion? 
uh, genuine empathy for the needs of others, even when they don't deserve it. Um, can you think of any times when our humble hero showed extraordinary compassion and restraint? I'm thinking of Mary Magdalene. You know what? Both her life and Jesus' life are at risk. They both are about to be taken down. And Jesus just cares about that woman so much he ignores the risk to himself and he just writes in the dust until they're all gone. Wow. That's amazing. Spectacular. Well, what else? How about wisdom? Heroes exude wisdom. What does exude mean? Exude. I think that's a good word. It's like you think of Dr. Pimple Popper. Oh, don't tell me you don't watch that. Exude wisdom. Is that extreme? I'm trying to tone it down. Um, okay. You want to know what story of what a wise hero looks like? I know a man. I heard this story firsthand. In fact, I'm going to show you a picture of him. I'm not going to tell you which one it was in this picture that this story happened to. I'll let you guess. He's a, on an air base on Okinawa, Yontan, not far from Hacksaw Ridge, where Desmond is doing his thing. And his job is to drive the ambulance, rescue pilots uh, and people who are on the airfield in danger, uh, crashes, that sort of thing. Plane lands, it's a bomber, it's loaded with bombs, and it's on fire. Now, to me, I'm not a fireman, but that sounds like a real dangerous situation. Well, it just so happens the firemen were thinking the same thing. And they went to this corpsman, and they said, Doc, what do we do? The commanding officer has just told us, you guys, get out there. You put out that fire right now. And they're like, it's going to blow. What do we do, Doc? So the soldier says, an order's an order. You go. You disobey a direct order in wartime, you know what it costs. But you take the longest, slowest way to get there that you can. And you take your sweet time. So they hopped on the truck. They're hanging on the sides. And they're putt, 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 putt. And you know what? When that plane did blow, it knocked them off the truck. They were that close. One of those soldiers saved all those men's lives. Which one do you think it was? Why do you think that? <laughs> hey, that's my dad up there. Look, look at him. Look at his... I wonder if I could walk like that. Look at that strut. Boy, he looks like the most confident guy in the world, doesn't he? You know, it's okay to love your heroes. It's easy to love your heroes. It's so easy. It's natural. You don't have to force it. It just comes spontaneously. You love them because of who they are and what they do and what they've done. It's so easy to love a hero. Well, I got another picture of my dad while we're on dad pictures. Uh, 
Doesn't dad look a little dorky here? Look at the difference. I tell you what, you go through the experiences of being a hero and it changes you. It changes you for, for your whole life. The confidence. Oops, let's go for it. Uh, who else is in that picture, Aunt Joy? You know what? That's not me. That's Stan. That's your. That's. <laughs> and that's my, our grandpa. He's a dignified looking gentleman, isn't he? And Stan's got that smile that he had all his life. He's. They love that, that, that Stan all the way. They were about 10 years difference in age. Oh, uh, okay, forgive me, one more dad picture. Uh, What is he doing there? My sister sent me this picture. It looks like he's having a good time. You know why? Because heroes have all the fun. Heroes have all the fun. True joy comes from living a life. Living a life of serving others with compassion, caring about others, having that wisdom that comes from God's presence, having that compassion. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Heroes are happy. You want to be happy? Be a hero. Okay, what does this sound like when we read it in the Bible? I'm going to take Isaiah chapter 58, which uh, is a great chapter. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, in other words, if you care for others and serve them, then your light, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. What does that sound like to you? Your gloom, the darkness goes away when you're helping others. When you are that humble hero, the gloom goes away. You know, there's more. The Lord will guide you continually. Satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. Um, really odd statement, make your bones strong. This is not talking about osteoporosis or uh, some therapy for bone disease. This is, as I understand it, your bones are have your immune system, your uh, anti, uh, your uh, white blood cells created in your bones, made in your bones. And this word, make your bones strong, I understand is kind of a Hebrew word for army. Your immune system is stronger when you help others. I, I got this from Neil Medley. Uh, this is not original. I really like the idea. It's good for your health. To be a hero. Heroes are healthy, physically, mentally healthier. Okay. Um, I have a picture that's never been shown in church before. But first, I have to talk about courage. You might have thought with a hero, you would say, talk about courage first. Victoria said, you're going to talk about courage. Courage courage comes first, right? I put it last. Why did I put it last? Because courage, like the word love, can be perverted. It can be corrupted. 
Courage isn't found in a bottle. Courage isn't found at the end of a gun. Courage is this uh, intrepidity, this absence of fear when you're in danger. A true, it's just different. You don't really, it's not self-preservation is what I'm trying to say. It's, this is the photo that has never been shown in church before. Jerry, please forgive me. We'll talk about this later. Um, okay, does this man have courage? Well, he does have rage. He does have violence, revenge, almost a foolish recklessness. He's got arrogance. And you know what's worst? You know what's worst about being Rambo? He'll never ever be happy because the revenge is never done. Now, I don't want to be hard on the people who like Rambo because I get it. You know, it appeals, that toxic masculinity thing appeals to a young person. You want to be, you want to be a tough guy to cover up your own insecurities. Somebody needs to tell this guy on that motorcycle what a true hero looks like. True heroes are generous, they're generous, they're humble, they have restraint, they don't need violence to accomplish their task, filled with compassion, exude wisdom. It's a confident kind of wisdom. I know the one in whom I have put my trust. Apparently the last words that Ellen White said, I know the one. I know the one. That's a confidence. So you'll love that confidence. And it all adds up to being happy. Heroes are happy. Because they're not afraid. They have genuine courage. You can't scare a hero. So, what's the takeaway from this? Everything good that happens on this earth, every heroic act, no matter how humble, no matter how unrecognized, is a result of God's Spirit working on mankind. The less we have of the Holy Spirit, the more we have of strife and trouble, the more rambos we have. Okay, I'm going to mention Bruce. Not our Bruce. This is Bruce Watkins, one of my closest friends in high school. Steve, you need a gun. Got to protect your wife. What if somebody comes in, attacks your family? Bruce, that didn't sound like a good idea. No, you need a gun, Steve. Bruce is dead. Use that gun on himself. You need a gun? I'm not going to scold you. Jesus didn't scold Peter for having the swords. I'm not going to scold you. You have a gun, good luck to you. But it's not for me. I know the one in whom I put my trust. Apparently it was better for Barabbas to live than for Jesus to live. Don't understand it. It Sounds scary to me. Don't want any harm to come to my family. But Bruce... Get rid of that gun. Twice every day, that gun that's intended to defend your family in this country is used on the one, the woman, it's supposed to be protecting. It happens twice a day. But I've drifted off my main point.
because you don't need that. You just need the Holy Spirit. You know, they say pray earnestly for the Holy Spirit. Why? Why should I pray earnestly for the Holy Spirit? Because that's what the Holy Spirit does is he makes you a hero. He makes you someone who is of value. Because when you're told you're not of value, it'll destroy any religion that you have, any belief system, no matter how good. Oh, who's this guy standing up there on that cliff? Oh, finally we got to Desmond. By the way, he spoke at camp meeting. That was you, right, Jerry? Did you get him there? That was awesome. Jenny, our oldest daughter, and I were sitting in that audience. Do you remember the uh, ovation that he got before he said a word? I've never seen anything like it. The longest standing over. He finally, you know, they had to practically beg people to sit out. They quit clapping. A true person that's so easy to admire, a humble hero. Thank you for doing that. That was. Oh, by the way, Cliff, got, Cliff has some great um, Desmond Doss stories. Desmond was a. You were in the same congregation, or he was one of you were a pastor. Yeah. Got some shared one at at prayer meeting this last Wednesday, and if you had been there, you would have heard it. <laughs> Hero worship. It's okay. It can be good for you. And it just comes naturally. It doesn't have to be forced. Nobody's making you do it. And it's not required. You know, worship service when I was going to school, they'd have somebody standing at the door, you know, logging you in, making sure you didn't get a demerit because you didn't show up. That can't be how it works in heaven. It's got to come naturally. No requirements. You're not required to attend worship in heaven. Are you crazy? I wouldn't miss it for the world. That is Hacksaw Ridge. That is the spot. Uh, And Joyce Stan said that he went to that spot. That he was there, that's what I understand, yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's the President of the United States standing on the White House lawn putting a blue ribbon with a little metal symbol on his neck. And he's telling Desmond, this is a greater honor than being President. That's what I'm talking about. We love our heroes, and nobody's requiring us to be here, to be here at the feet of Jesus, because we're here because we want to be. We want to be close to our heroes. Third point, and final point, three, and you're free. When God is your hero, when God is your personal hero, everything's different. Everything. When Jesus is your hero, everything's different. And just in case you were worried and thinking, oh yeah, Steve thinks he's a hero. He told us, no, no, it was just week before last you know I got this job now and it's the kind of job where everybody tells you what to do and I'm not used to having everybody tell me what to do and then somebody else comes along and they tell me that that's wrong the way the guy last guy just told me how to do it and one guy I call him grumpy Wilbur he 
just he's over the top. It's never right. It's never right. In fact, just this week, I parked the baggage right next to this jet airplane. We were loading baggage onto an airplane, and he thought it should be closer. So we spun the cart around again to get this much closer, and he spilled a whole trail of luggage out on the runway as he's whipping it around. And I'm like, Wilbur, my bad. The reason I was like that, because I already tried the other technique the week before, and Wilbur's given us this lecture. You get that luggage on the belt loader fast. You get it on there fast. And I'm like, okay. He crawls into the cargo pit. It's his turn to stack the luggage in the cargo pit. And I'm like, ah, this is my chance. <laughs> now I'd already been warned by my colleague said, Steve, look, I see what he's doing to you. I had a run in with him last week. Just... You know, just keep it cool. You're doing a good job. And I'm like, <laughs> I got this one. I'll give him a double dose of antidepressants, you know. <laughs> and uh, I'm really thinking that I've met, you know, people like this before. But I don't know, something happened. I was, this is, uh, Wilbur crawled in that cargo pit and I just started taking the luggage. And I'm <laughs> as fast as I can. And I see Wilbur up there in the cargo pit, and he's waving his arms and yelling something. And I'm like, I can't hear you, Wilbur. <laughs> and uh, finally, he hits the stop button, and there's a big mountain of luggage there. And he's waving me up there, so I come up, and, and he's starting in on it. I just slam my hand down on the belt loader. I said, Wilbur, I'm sick of you yelling at me, so just cool it. And he says, Maybe you need a new profession. And I said, I think you're a pain in the neck. <laughs> well, let's, see, let's go down our hero list. Does it, let's see. Um, humility. Compassion. Patience. Restraint. So I'm thinking about this next day because it didn't sit right. Because even though I felt like, you know, I had to do something about Wilbur, it just didn't sit right. And I'm driving the next day down to a different job, and it hit me. It suddenly it hit me. Steve, you're no hero. Oh, it's a ton of rocks. I mean, it hurts. It hurts when you realize you've embarrassed your hero. It hurts when you've done something to hurt the one you love. I mean, I heard somebody say this week that they spent a great deal of time confessing every sin and making sure they were right with God. No. No, don't say amen to that. I'm sorry. Why spend your days focusing on every dark thought? You know what's wrong. You know you've done bad. Just keep looking at your hero. Because I can tell you that when you are looking at your hero and you see how much you've got to go, to, that you've been embarrassed and that you've let him down. You don't want to ever do it again. Don't ever again. Wilbur, you can do whatever you want. Don't ever let me respond like that again. There's nothing worse than being an embarrassment to your hero. But I tell you, there's, there's actually a good end to this story. Still driving along, you're no hero, actually tears streaming down my face. It's a very emotional moment. 
and the thought came to me, and I believe that this is God's Spirit. And it said, Steve, you still want to be. Don't you still want to be a hero? It's okay. Get up. Don't quit. Don't give up. You still want to be a hero. So you'll get there. We'll get there. That's the way heroes treat people. And that's why I believe it was God's spirit. That word of encouragement when I needed it. This is in our Sabbath school lesson, which thank you, Matt, for teaching it today. If you weren't at the Sabbath school lesson, you should have been there. If you give thought to the suffering that sin has caused our creator, how does that work? It hurts to see someone you love stumble, to suffer. All heaven suffered in Christ's agony, but that suffering did not begin or end with his manifestation in humanity. In other words, every mistake made along the way on this planet has been hurting not just God in heaven, but his entire heavenly host. It hurts. The cross is a revelation to our dull senses of the pain that, from its very inception, sin has brought to the heart of the God. You see the suffering on the cross? You see what it, got, it feels like to God to see me slam that belt loader and tell Wilbur to cool it. Every departure from right, every deed of cruelty, every failure of humanity to reach God's ideal brings grief to him. That's hero talk. And that's why I like that passage. So what do you do? What do you do with all this? Let's play a, an imagination game. Let's go back in time. Let's tell this kid what we've learned. He's about maybe Evan's age. Who is that? What are you going to say to him? Kid, be a hero. Be a hero. What's a hero? What's a hero? A hero is like your mommy. You know the one that's got you dressed up and taking you to church this morning? That's a 1957 church outfit. And what happens? What happens if you're a hero? How do you be a hero? Kids asking too many questions. Don't worry about it. Because Jesus is the greatest hero ever, ever. And all you got to do is keep your eyes on him. And what happens? What happens to heroes? Well, you get someday to hear those words, those words spoken to the heroes of this planet. Well done. Well done. Good job. Come on in. Lord, what can we do? But say thank you for your goodness. What can we offer you for all that you've done for us? Surely there must be something, some way that we can help you. Please show us. Show us how we can help you. We want to be heroes like you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that makes it possible. We just pray.
place our lives in your hands and ask for your, the blessing of your presence at all times for every person in this, this house of yours this morning. Amen.